0: Thanks again to Legacy. I think uh, it's sort of a given that this won't be the last time we'll have you around. We'll find other venues where we can enjoy and uh, let you lead us in our hearts. I I don't know how you can listen to singing like that and the words that are being sung and the voices that God has given to these men uh, without being touched. We're going to read a portion of God's Word that explains some things. It talks about reading God's Word, and you're going to find the answer to a couple of questions you may have had. One is, why do I seem to always ask y'all to stand up when God's Word is read? And why do I beg you to say amen when we read God's Word? Now you're going to know. This is from Nehemiah chapter 8. Let's be standing, please, as we do hear this, the Word of God. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns... All the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the scribe, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. That's the children, by the way. He read it aloud from daybreak until noon. As he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men and the women and the children. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra, the scribe, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is sacred that also is holy. This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. May God bless the reading of his word. This we know. When God speaks, things happen. We learn that from the very beginning of the Bible. From the very beginning of all time. In the beginning, God said, let there be light and there was light. We know that the Word of God is powerful. It has formed this universe. It made us, and it continues to work in our lives. As the writer of Hebrews gives us this testimony, that the Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to pierce and divide our soul from our spirit, our joints from our marrow. It's able also to enter into our very thoughts and intentions and to discern those. The Word of God. When God speaks, things happen. James tells us that the Word of God can bring life to our dead souls. In the book of James, we read this. In fulfillment of his own purpose... He gave us birth. How? By his word. And James goes on to tell us, Welcome then with meekness that implanted word that has the power to save your souls. When God speaks, things happen. And not only does God take our dead souls and bring them to life through his word, He continues then to lead us and guide us through those days when we don't know what to do, we don't know where to turn, we don't know how this is going to turn out and how we can face tomorrow. Who do we listen to in times like that? Who can give us wisdom? Who can point the way? The Word of God. In a passage in Deuteronomy that was so precious to our Lord and Savior Jesus that he pulled it out in the midst of his battle with Satan in the wilderness, we have these words, we cannot live only eating. That's not going to do it. We cannot live by bread alone. We have to have every word that comes from the mouth of our Lord. When God speaks, things really do happen. The Word of God has power in our lives. Power to see into us, to pierce into the darkness of our hearts, into our confusion, to sift us, to judge us, and then to put us back together and to give us life again and to direct our steps so that we know how to live and have the courage and the strength to live. Now the passage that we read just a moment ago describes all of that. It's a marvelous story that occurred whenever the people of God way back centuries ago, whenever they were trying to get back together and learn what it meant to be the people of God again. These are the Jewish people who whose lives had been totally destroyed and upset and turned over by the Babylonian War and its resulting captivity. So many of them had been carried off into other lands, and, and their city had been destroyed, all the towns around, everything was gone. But now they had all come back, or many of them had returned. And they were trying to rebuild their lives, rebuild their cities, and rebuild themselves as the people of God. So as our story takes place, a lot of things have already happened. They're being led by capable people like Ezra and Nehemiah. Before that had been Jeshua and Zerubbabel, and those guys. You know, God had provided leaders for them. And they had come back and they had rebuilt their houses. And they had got the economy up and going again. And they had rebuilt the temple of God. And then under Nehemiah's direction, they had been able to put up a wall around the city, which was so important back then for protection and defense. But it wasn't enough. they had come back and they had rebuilt the things. But in order to be the people of God again, they had to hear the voice of God. God had to speak to them again. And they realized that. And that's why they came to Ezra, the scribe and the priest, and they said, you've got to read God's word to us again. If we're to live as a people, we have to hear the Word of God. And so Ezra took the Word of God. We we think probably it was what we call the Pentateuch or the Torah. The first five books there of the Old Testament as we have them in our Bible. And he took copies of that and and he climbed up on this high platform. And there before all the people, there before the water gate, Not Watergate, Watergate. That's a gate where they went out to get, yeah, you got it, all right. Sort of hard to say Watergate anymore, isn't it, without us thinking of other things. But they chose a place where everybody could come. You know, there were places in Jerusalem that everybody couldn't go. There were places women couldn't go. There were places children couldn't go. There were places that ritually impure and unclean people couldn't go. But they chose a place where everyone could gather together. Because they realized that everyone needed to hear the word of God. So Ezra climbed up on the high platform that was built for the occasion. And he took the word of God, a scroll, and he began to open it. And as he began to open it, the people realized, this is a holy moment. God is about to speak. And as one, everyone stood. They stood because they knew that they were about to hear the word of God. And as Ezra began to read, he began, first of all, to bless the name of God for being the great God that he is. And as he blessed the name of the God, people raised their hands and they said, Amen, Amen. And then he began reading. And the people were so moved by the word of God that they fell to their knees They fell upon their faces and they listened to the word of God because they were hungry for the word of God and they knew the power of the word of God and they wanted to be the people of God again. Six hours Ezra read the word of God because the people were that hungry for it and they knew that when God was speaking to them, great things were going to happen. And I know these folks were listening. I know they were. Because if we keep reading the account of this story, of the reading of the Word of God, we hear that as they heard the Word of God, they began to cry, to weep. You know, if we really do open our hearts and let the Word of God be the living, active Word of God, if we really invite God to come and to pierce into our souls and to discern and to know our thoughts and intentions, if we really listen to the Word of God, we too are moved to tears. Because there are words in there that tell us about who we are and we begin to realize this book, this God who stands behind this book, the word of god knows me he knows my fears he knows my frustrations he knows the things i think that no one else knows listen to some of the word of god that sifts through us and can move us to our knees and to tears passages like psalm 144 o oh lord What are human beings that you would even regard us? Or mortals that you would even want to think about us? We're like a breath. Our days are like a passing shadow. Or Psalm 103, 15 and 16. As for mortals, their days are like grass. They flourish like the flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it's gone and its place knows it no more. When we stop and think about ourselves, we're just a passing through as the song says. And it won't be long before we're gone. And we know that we're weak. And we don't know what lies around the next corner. You know, the people of Haiti were enjoying a day like every day. And then it was over. Many lost their lives, for the rest, their lives are forever changed. And we realize that that's who we are. We're we're weak. And we may try to act like we're strong. We may try to put on a good face like we can handle anything that comes our way. But down deep inside, we know that's not true. And the living, active Word of God, the two-edged sword, pierces into our heart and says, You're right. You're right. You're just here for a moment. The prophet Isaiah had an encounter with God. That description is in Isaiah chapter 6, and you know it. He was in the temple worshiping God, he says, and all of a sudden he had a vision, and he looked up and he saw the Lord, and the Lord was so great that the very hem of his garment, just the bottom part of his clothes, filled the whole temple. And as he tried to look up above that great robe, he could see that seraphim were flying around, and and they were shouting out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And those words pierced through the heart of Isaiah because immediately as he stood in the presence of God, he said, Woe is me. I am lost. I'm nothing because I'm a man with unclean lips. I live in the midst of people with unclean lips. When we come into the presence of God and hear his word, we realize how insignificant we are. And we begin to realize how sinful we are. Psalm 51, 3 through 5, David wrote, I know my transgressions. My sin is just there all the time. My sin is ever before me. Against you, God, you alone have I sinned. I've done what's evil in your sight, and you're right. You are justified in your sentence. And I don't blame you for being angry with me, for passing judgment. Indeed, sometimes I think I was born guilty. And I must have been a sinner since that time, that day, that I was conceived in my mother's womb. Paul, our friend, who leads us in so many ways, said much the same thing when he expressed his own frustration with himself. And he says, I just don't understand me, for I keep doing what I don't want to do. The things I say I'll never do again, I hate those things, and I turn around and do them again. He says, I delight in the law of God inside. If you ask me what I think about God's law, I say it's wonderful, it's sweet, it's beautiful. But there's another law at work within me. The law of sin. And it seems like that law wins out. Too many times. That it makes me a captive to do things I just shouldn't do and don't want to do. And at that point he just screams. Wretched man that I am. Who can help me? Who can rescue me from this body of death? The word of God is honest with us. It tells us who we are. And if we listen to who it says we are, we're going to fall down on our faces with those Israelites of old. And we're going to cry with them. We're going to weep for who we are. But that's not all. We can't quit listening to the Word of God at that point. We need to hear who he says we are, but we need to keep listening. That's why Ezra and Nehemiah and the Levites who were explaining the word of God to the people, when they saw what the people were doing, you know they had to think, great, they're getting it, they hear it, but they got to keep listening. And they started going around and said, stop crying and keep listening. Because if you keep listening to God's word, not only does he tell us, That we're dying, but He brings us life as well. That His words do cut through and judge us, but if we will keep listening to His words, that His words will bring us life and grace and mercy. Listen to a passage that these people knew well. Psalm 103. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and He abounds in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. Now, now, there's another side of that. He does accuse, and he does get angry. But he will not always accuse, and he will not keep his anger forever. Listen to this. You've got to hear this. He does not deal with us according to our sins, and he does not repay us according to our iniquity. Did you hear it? You may think he's going to, but he doesn't. He does not deal with us according to our sins. He does not repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are as high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. When you leave this building, we've got a beautiful day. I think, isn't it still clear outside? Look up into that blue sky and see how high you can see. That is how high his love is. That's how much love God has for you. And keep on reading. So far he removes our transgressions from us as the east is from the west. What a great West Texas illustration. You know, you drive down the highway. How far can you see to the east? How far can you see to the west? Forever. He says that's how far he removes our sins from us. All these things that weigh us down. All these things that cause us to, to think we'll never make. God takes them and gets them just that far away. From us. And one more, if you haven't gotten it yet, he says, As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for you. You parents, how much do you love your kids? You grandparents, how much do you love your grandkids? That's how much God loves you. That's how much compassion he has on you. That's how many chances he's going to give you. That's how much help he's going to give you. Keep listening to the word of God and let it give you life. Let it bring grace into your lives. Romans again. You know Paul as he has struggled with wretched man that I am who can help me. He knows the answer. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. For the law... Of the Spirit of life in Christ has set me free from the law of sin and death. The Word of God does that. This is why we must continually listen to His Word. This is why we are such a blessed people that every one of us here has multiple copies of this in our house. At any moment in our lives, we can stop if we will just put aside the busyness of the day and open up and let God talk to us and to let his words have their effect. Whether he needs to bring us to our knees or to pick us up and give us life. He knows what he needs to do and his word can do it if we will let it. Nehemiah and Ezra walked through the people and picked up their heads and lifted their chins and said, keep listening. For yes, the word of God convicts, but the word of God gives life. This no longer is a day for weeping and crying. For when we really come into the holiness of the Lord and recognize that a day is holy, it is a day of celebration. In fact, he told the people, you guys go home and eat and drink You know, and if you've got some neighbors that don't have anything, send some to them too and celebrate, because our strength comes from the joy of the Lord. Go and eat and drink. Send some to those who have not, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. And that's what gives us the strength to walk out of this building and the strength to face whatever may be coming. And the strength to face the problems that perhaps we even brought with us today. Because we know that if we keep listening to God, that He'll bring us through those things and into His joy. We're going to stand and sing a song. And I don't know what you brought with you today, but if the Word of God has touched your heart today. If God has brought into you a kindling and a desire for His joy and touching Him with joy. We're going to have some of our Church leaders, stand around at the back and on the sides. Spot one of them. Go to them. Let them pray with you. Let them guide you in any decisions you may need to make. But whatever you do, don't walk out of here carrying the same burdens that perhaps you walked in with. Because you can live here knowing that there is nothing that can separate us from our God. That his love is so great. If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? You come up with something, and you're wrong. Nothing. As Paul said, I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else is able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus Folks, that's the word of God. Let's stand and sing.